Well, I'll be honest with you, my third eye's open. Had it been closed? I'm seeing things like I've never seen them before. Well, do tell, because I feel... Ah, there's... There's nothing to tell, it's just... It's just something you have to walk out, you know? There's no great secret. You just have there, to are, there are no absolutes, friends. Well, you gonna tell us more about it, or... Nah, I don't know what else to say about it right now. I'm still working it out, but I've... I've I'm learning some things. What are you learning? Well, I'm learning how to live dialectically, friends. <laughs> and I feel the same way I felt when I learned how to watch basketball like a basketball coach watches basketball. In basketball, you don't watch the ball. Like, we watch the ball when we're watching the game. But if you're watching film, you watch what's happening away from the ball. You watch how the best player on the floor gets open to get the ball. That's what you're looking for. And if you're if you're playing defense, you're trying to figure out how to stop him from getting in a position to get the ball. That's that's basketball. That's the whole thing right there. There's a there's another way that the world can be ordered, friends. Another way to think about it. And it and doesn't on, involve the ball. It doesn't involve the ball. We we keep our eye on the ball and the end product too much. You're right. But I'm dangerously close to veering into Tim Ferriss territory, so. <laughs> well, I was thinking we were going to get into more May Day stuff. Eyes <laughs> on the workers. Yeah, we do have a historic strike coming up. Hopefully. Or a work stoppage, rather. Who's Tim Ferriss? You know, he's the guy that's always, like, he was real big in the early 2000s, like, because... Like he was telling you the secrets about how to hold your breath for like six minutes and shit like that. <laughs> how to, he was most famous for hacking the body. Ah, uh, I see. Well, so how has this new worldview um, endowed you with the third eye? It's not. It's not open yet. It's getting open. I'm in the process of opening. What are you looking at with your third eye, potentially? Man, that I don't know either. I'll be honest with you. Hard Basically, make... I've read a little marks and I'm feeling myself. <laughs> it's hard to make heads or tails of anything out here. Means I don't want to see the world as just, here's what happens. Here's one force, here's another force. They bang up against each other and then everything's just a means to an end. Everything happens on a sort of a... I don't want to say a spectrum because that gives points to the most annoying people. But you know what I'm saying? I think everything should just be about the interrelationship between two things. You know what I'm saying? Sounds like emergent strategy to me. Interdependence. I don't know about that. <laughs> Interesting. Well, now you've got my attention. Um, are you saying emergent strategy, whatever that is... Is it a non-profit? What is an emergence strategy? It's um, it's like the interdependence of ecosystems and species, essentially, and how everything we need to know to change the world, we can find in nature. Like, it's already happening naturally. All of these processes we need. Intra even predatory... I mean, you know, there's a lot of rape in nature. There's a lot of... Uh, carnivore uh pre 
pred- predation. You know, arsenic's natural. <laughs> what do you say? Th- what do you say about that? Um, no, what it, it's uh, arson. It's called um, what? What do they call it when there's just like a healthy burn? What's the healthy burn? Oh, um, a controlled burn. No, not even that. It's it happens naturally, not that like we start it to make something good happen. We didn't start well, the fire. What? I said you talking about we didn't start the fire, but we what did not. What is that noise? It's emergent strategies. Terrence, are you organizing files at this very moment? Yeah. I'm checking my mail. I'm reading my mail. <laughs> Hoping there'll be something in there to talk about. Just bills. <clears throat> They're multiplying. Wait, so let me... I want to dig into this. Uh, Listen, I'm not an emergent strategy expert, buddy. I'm just telling you the micro... <laughs> you don't want to talk about it, do you? The micro... <laughs> Well, okay, every species, this is the part I've been thinking about a lot, Lucy, is every every animal, uh, like humans, our dog, all animals are supporting other life, uh, like are supporting other species, even on our own bodies. Like we have little microbes living in our eyelashes, earmuffs, Tom. I know you can't, <laughs> this is going to destroy you. <laughs> I'm at peace with it. <laughs> But it's just about the interdependence of all species and humans in particular under capitalism. Um, it's like we're we're fed this like, you know, bootstrap narrative that um, we're in competition with one another and hard work actually equals something. I'm going to cite the example of the species and nature all having their their part to play next time uh, a sex partner accuses me of giving them genital lice. Oh my god. What what role does genital lice play in the greater scheme of things, Todd? I can't say. Hopefully very little. <laughs> I mean but I mean but that's kind of like that sounds like the Jordan Peterson um wasn't that Jordan Peterson's what his book was about? I don't know who that, that like, is. Yeah, you do. You would probably. He wrote that like self help book for like men's rights guys, and it was about how like lobsters are ultra competitive and therefore humans should be. And I mean, oh, he like took all these examples of nature being really. I mean, because like. That's a thing, like natural systems don't, there's no morality to any of it. It's just kind of like a a sort of amoral functioning system. Although a lot of species do cooperate, there are also ones that are highly competitive. And Yeah, I mean, I think the point is overall there's way more cooperation, right? I don't know if there's way more. There's way um, more predation if you think about it. I, it does exist. There has to be. Like, a, I mean, mushrooms communicate with trees through their root systems do you know what i mean i don't, I don't know like, I, I don't i'm skeptical of the idea of uh looking towards the natural world for any kind of uh sort of lessons i guess 
they can be drawn so you think how humans are. so you think humans we we gotta come up with it all yeah yeah i do um well that's pretty bleak because humans are <laughs> fucking wow you think so we're getting to the heart core of Tanya Turner here. I feel like that's a very conservative idea, Tanya. You think? Yeah, that that humans are all cutthroat and um, nasty and brutish. I didn't say that, and I don't think that. But right now, I don't have a lot of faith <laughs> in. I literally am afraid to leave the house at this moment. So, <laughs> and I've got a bunch of cowboys with chainsaws in charge of my water supply right now so well, you're in good hands then same. <laughs> excuse me if i'm in a bad mood i'm not saying you're in a bad mood i'm in a bad mood well, what's causing your bad mood i don't know just you know everything <laughs> what is what is there to be in a good mood about not getting any sleep uh Eating nothing but like brown rice and beans for the last two or three weeks. I feel like when I take a shit, it's like two pounds. <laughs> it's just two, two pounds of rice and beans. That's just like the shits I take now. Just shitting like a cow. <laughs> yeah, cow patties. I, sh- I shit cow patties now. Why aren't you getting any vegetables? Cause like I run out of vegetables within like four days of buying them well that's all they'll last and the vegetables we get won't will barely last four days any goddamn way i know i had packed my freezer full of like frozen spinach and kale and shit i never i didn't even know you could get it and then we lost power and everything went bad so now i'm just like afraid to even stock up my fridge yeah Tom, what are you eating these days besides Sunkist? We may have lost them. Well, this is good and getting better. Hell yeah. This is is this the best episode we've ever done? I think I so. I think so. <laughs> Tanya, did you see the um did you see where the NPR did a follow up on that? That lady, the Harlan County lady. Yeah, I didn't read it. I just saw the headline and I was so enraged. I couldn't go any further. I was just like, just, and the headline was like, liberals upset. (laughs) (laughs) Or that's what NPR tweeted. They tweeted that liberals were upset with their, (laughs) with their interview with the Kentucky businesswoman. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, even though the subject of the story was a liberal and liberals run NPR, yeah, I, I think that they meant lefties. They don't know what they meant. They're out of their fucking minds. Yeah. NPR's canceled. Tom says that he can hear us, but... We can't hear we him. Can't, we can't hear him. <sighs> hit the mute. Hit the unmute button, Tom. Oh shit! Wow, we've got twenty four minutes out of this. Incredible. Truly, it's like fucking pulling teeth. Um, if we ain't got it, we ain't got it. I think. 
Well, I had a big, you know, I had things I wanted to talk about today, but then last minute um, audibles were called and... Audibles? Yeah, you know, like in f- in football, you know, like when you have to change up uh, a play at the last minute and you're like, audible, and then you switch from like a passing play to a running play. I can't believe you're making sports references that I don't know right now. <laughs> Well, how was the the second interview? Did she redeem herself? Who? Oh, uh, Sky Marietta? Yeah. No, um, the second interview is wild. It was basically like she got dogpiled. People criticized her. Um, they didn't mention us, unfortunately, I guess. No, unfortunately, no. We never get they said, any credit for nothing. No, yeah, they said people dogpiled her. She people criticized her, and then <laughs> they were like, they were like, people said she said conservative things, and then it's like they wrote a fucking she wrote a fucking blog post about it in which she laid out all of her conservative opinions. Yeah, which is, I mean, they've had to have read that and then decided to interview her. You know what I mean? This 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 is so stupid. Like, her blog post was before the NPR interview. So she has tripled down on this shit at this point. Yeah. It's not like her words were taken out of context. It was really bizarre. Basically, the whole interview amounted to... um, We hear you. Basically, the whole interview was them saying, We hear you. We don't give a shit, but we hear you. That was the weird thing about it. The whole the the whole thing was very much like we understand that you're pissed. We don't care, but which is like why even write a follow up then if you really don't give a shit. Oh, there's so much fascinating stuff to talk about with this in relation to everything else that's going on right now. I'm having a hard time finding anything fascinating, so I'm glad that you <laughs> are able to shine a lot on some fascination for me. Everything it seems. You struggling, Tanya? You're not doing too well. And, I'm a little worried about to you. To say the, the least. I, I wish I wish she would come down off the mountain. I know you're like, trying to sell like me Moses. oceanfront property in downtown Whitesburg. I am. I want you to come down and live oh. with us. There he is. On, in Maine, in, in Whitesburg. I ain't moving to upper bottom unless I'm getting an in-ground pool. Um, it's possible. There is there are upper there are houses in upper bottom with in ground pools. I know. Look, um, yo, are you back, Tommy? You back? I think so, but gosh, damn! Now I'm gone again. No, we can hear you. We can hear you. I mean, audacity quit is what I'm. Oh fuck! So we're you well. We'll just cut you out of this completely. How about that? Damn. You finally get your mic straight and your program fucks up. That's 2020. Are you really... Were you serious when you said if you move again, you'll move to Tennessee? Really? I don't like moving, and I just moved four months ago. And I d- But these are desperate times, you know? 
<sighs> you might need an oceanfront property on the Kentucky River. <sighs> somebody, somebody uh, in the speaker piece was like, and and I and I assume that it's one of the barbers over there at that barber shop. But somebody was like, "I haven't cut any hair, but I've got some oceanfront property on the Kentucky River. If you want it." <laughs> so, Lord, I I wonder if they're going out of business. That wouldn't surprise me. It seems like the like barbers, uh, little cafes and stuff. Like, oh man, the heartbeat of America. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, really, I wish I had my gay commune set up at this point. I don't know. Moving to a city does not sound appealing right now. Move to Whitesburg. That sounds even less appealing. Into downtown? No. Yeah, come on. I don't know about that. We've got steady electricity and water here. It's a beautiful um, place to live. Well, you know, I just asked my neighbor if this is common because she, she t- actually didn't even know the electricity went out yesterday when it did because we have plenty of natural light in here and I, I, I we were doing something else and I hadn't noticed and she texted me and said, can you fucking believe this? <laughs> and I knew immediately. I was like, oh, fuck, the power's out again. God damn it. And I had to go start fucking filling up fucking blow up dolls with water but she said that this is very uncommon and this has never happened she's like this is the first time this has ever happened been like this and she said are you f- what are you filling up sex dolls with water is that what, how you're conserving water i mean we're, we're doing what we got to do down here terrence you're f- <laughs> um, incredible no i got this emergency like roll out plastic water um tank or whatever to put in the bathtub and it's called a water bulb and the way the like nozzle and the pump is on it it looks like i mean it looks like a blow-up doll (laughs) and you just fill it up with water and then you pump it out the top but she said that somebody who works for the power company told her that this is all because last summer this past summer fall they the company uh, like did not spend even half of what they normally spend on tree trimming. So they were like trying to, oh. they were trying to, I mean, this is just. Esplund? Well, AEP pays them. Got it. Hires them. So this is just hearsay, but I don't know. I mean, I also, it's just like you can't deny that this is infrastructure crumbling under climate change. And it's liable to just continue to get crazier and crazier. And I guess it is harder to get power and water all the way up the mountain. But I don't know. At this point, <laughs> at this point, I just need a mental break so that I'm so that I don't spiral into lunacy every time the power goes out because it's just like traumatic at this point. Yeah. Yesterday was fine. It was totally fine. We were out. We didn't have power and water for maybe like seven hours, six or, six or seven hours maybe. And, you know, what a big deal, honestly. But 
my internal clock at this point is so sensitive to this matter (laughs) because I've been through so much hell the past three weeks that it just sends me into total disarray every time it happens. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure this is obvious to you already. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's it's very obvious to me. (laughs) That I lose it completely every time. Yep. I've tried to keep my lunacy off the internet. And I think I've done a pretty good job the last three weeks of just staying the hell off the internet so that people don't know exactly how crazy I am (laughs) right now. Well, the thing is, the problem is that it's... The problem is that you live at the top of a mountain. But that's um, what I wanted. But that is what you wanted. And it is also very nice to live on top of a mountain. Yeah, there's so, so much good about it. There are extreme highs and extreme lows. <laughs> so. There is a really nice stream up here. And people have already got uh, little pops running through it. And I wonder. Also, there's a whale hook up in the backyard i just wonder if there are some local solutions that i don't really have the power over right now because i don't own this property you know what i mean right it's possible there's a whale up here Maybe. that we could tap I don't, into I have no idea. could be yeah yeah anywho nobody cares about my fucking clayton homestead trauma <laughs> i care bro you I just care. want me to move to upper bottom i just want you to move into whitesburg <laughs> i can see whitesburg from up here it don't look too great <laughs> well i can see your place from down here <laughs> uh. tom tom did you make it fuck no i can't figure out hello oh this is good oh this one's going straight to the garbage can (laughs) i'm gonna as soon as we finish recording i'm dragging this one to the trash and it's gonna go (laughs) now i'll publish this one the only ones i don't wind up publishing are the ones that are really nihilistic yeah the rabid where we're just like eating our fucking arm (laughs) yeah yeah those are the only ones i don't publish because sometimes i do publish them as was the case two weeks ago and then wind up getting myself in all kinds of dumb fucking bullshit (laughs) i never did go back and listen i don't know what happened i still don't know it's just some but people were bored that's it people just fucking bored online i mean i don't really blame them it's fucking, what else are you supposed to do, you know? <laughs> and people are clinging to podcasts right now. That's all they have. <laughs> We're all they have, Terrence. <laughs> it's honestly a lot of pressure. And every, like, I always consider before recording, I mean, I've been off the pod a bunch, and every time I am on, I consider right before being like, no, nah, I can't do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I, I believe you did that today, actually. Oh, I went right back to sleep, yeah. I could I I don't think y'all would have wanted to talk to me at that hour this morning. I was up till like 3 a.m. You know, I'm very sensitive to sleep deprivation. I mean, I am too. I have not slept for shit in weeks. I need a good, I need a good 10 hours, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. 10? I need 10. 
eight. You sleep ten hours. I need ten hours of sleep. That's all there is to it. Now I, I you know could, what that does to your brain. You know when you stay in a bath too long and it prunes your fingers. I think that that is <laughs> what happens when you sleep for ten hours to your brain. <laughs> No, false. Everybody is different, Terrence. God damn. Some people need eight hours. That's an average. Eight's the average. Some people need six. My mom sleeps like four hours a night. Oh, yeah. My dad does. You my know? dad sleeps like Which now that she's on graveyard, she sleeps all day long. Like she, she said she feels like a toddler. She just like wherever she is, in her chair, on the couch, <laughs> in her bed, at the kitchen table, she just goes to sleep. <laughs> And sleep. my dad does that too. She's just like sleeping on and off all day long because she's working the graveyard shift now. It's a weird, I weird have, time. I, I have. Have you ever worked a graveyard shift? You ever had a job where you've had to work a graveyard shift? Well, I bartended, and so that shift. I mean, my bartending shift was three nights in a row, four p.m. to two a.m. So that's a like a fucking twelve hour, ten hour shift. Right. And I don't think that's graveyard necessarily. That's probably considered second shift, right? 4 p.m. Yeah. to 2 a.m. I, I used to work that when I was a janitor on U, U, University of Texas campus. That was my exact shift, 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. Yep, that was my shift. But I was doing it on my feet in a stinky, smoky biker bar on the Kentucky River oceanfront. Yeah, I mean, I would honestly rather be... Janitor was, like, the best job I ever had. That shit was badass. I mean, it's kind of cool, but... I, I mean, I never have been a janitor, but I'd say it'd be kind of cool, like, equally cool and equally creepy to be, like, in all these places that you're tech, that most people aren't allowed to be in at night after hours. Yeah. You're kind of like a legal burglar. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I worked at, a, at the power plant. Um, I mean, like a cartoonish burglar. Like with a one of those black masks. Yeah, over yeah, your like eyes. a cartoon black mask spa. But you're cleaning, you're cl- you're vacuuming and shit. Yeah. Did you did you ever find like really funny, interesting stuff in people's trash? No, I did one time find a used condom in a stairwell, and that always really confused me. Like, who the fuck? I mean, you've got to really be. You've got to really be on some voyeur shit or something, or some exhibitionist shit to fucking a stairwell because. Yeah. Like, I mean, you never know. I mean, I guess you could hear someone coming up or down, but. It's just kind of gross, too. I mean, I had sex in the library one time in college, and I didn't feel good about it. (laughs) Oh, shit. Really? Yeah. It was, I worked there. I was on the clock. (laughs) I don't think I've ever had sex on the job. Yeah, I was at the EKU library up in the stacks. That's another second shift job I had to work. In the library late at night. No, Literally nothing going on. Nobody anywhere. No, I I, I, I used to like that job. I could just go in, fucking turn my headphones on and just zone out and just clean. Because there was no one in that building. I also worked in the computer science building. That was a little more trafficked after hours um but even then it was still pretty pretty sparse it was pretty dope yeah sometimes at my library job i would just go clock in and leave and go eat at applebee's and shit and hang out with my friends and then go back and (laughs) clock out yeah i'm kind of like 
bound and determined at this point to get an hour out of this. We're at 40 minutes. Like, it's kind of... <laughs> We're doing it. Like, can we get 20 more minutes of meaningless banter? I mean, this <laughs> is quarantine. This is what... This is where we're at. What I mean... I don't know what else could be expected of us. People died this week in Georgia from drinking bleach because their fucking uh, president told them to. I mean, uh, what are we, what, what's there to say, Terrence? Really? I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You're right. I mean, I've bound and determined not to talk about politics. I'm yeah. trying to pivot away from talking about politics. Exactly. I don't want to talk about it. What's there to say? I mean, the N- NPR, even NPR, which, okay, has just all the money you can imagine to do reporting, is double downing on the dumbest interviews in human history. <laughs> they not only did they do them, they redid them. <laughs> they did do a remix. Remix. And they didn't get Beyonce, so it was bullshit. They got the remix, remix with, um, yeah, they didn't get Beyonce. If Beyonce ain't on your remix, don't bother, okay? Especially if you're in PR. Oh, shit. (sighs) Um, T-Tom? No, I just... Yeah. Are are you even there, Tom, still? There's a T on our Google Hangout. Uh, Well, we're all T. That could be me. Hell, I don't know. (laughs) There is. (laughs) There's three T's, so... I think he's gone. He's got to get off in seven minutes anyways. I don't think Tom, Tom gets there? off much anymore, Terrence. Hello? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> hey, yo. Who's that girl? No, I, I, I'm pivoting away from economic, political economic analysis. This is entirely a show now. About, about me spiraling into conservatism. <laughs> about Tanya spiraling in to conservatism. Um. Uh, well, what do you have to say about aliens, Terrence? Oh. Um. I say that aliens are. They've made a good comeback in the news this week. I mean. So. Those videos, it seems to me like there's probably some kind of explanation for it that has um, a a sort of basis in... I mean, it's got to be some sort of military exercise. Even though um, the military claims it's unidentified? Even though the... Yeah. I mean... They don't want to claim it? because didn't this come out like in the 80s that like a lot of I mean Tom if you're still there like didn't that wasn't that the thing like in the 80s they were saying like UFOs were actually weapons tests but it actually benefited the government to like make people believe that there was some sort of extraterrestrial yeah it's the origin of the head fake (laughs) oh I see I see my fucking god damn it what's wrong with you tom what's wrong the bro keep it, it'll come in and it'll go out like I, I there were parts where i was just yelling at y'all and it wasn't picking <laughs> up. but you have it you have that recorded on your end though this is gonna be glorious blast <laughs> together this is gonna be so good <laughs> 
You know, Dom, sounds like to me you've been hacked and somebody's up in your computer, I hate to tell you. Hacked. Probably my bitch wife. Oh my god. Hacked. Arrow. It's been in there. Licking your motherboard. Um no, those videos are pretty crazy. Um but I mean, but if you're an alien coming to visit Earth, like what the fuck like you're probably coming from some civilization that's light years more advanced than ours and so you probably look at us with the same degree of sort of condescension that like most americans look at like a pile of ants or something you just like that's crazy i was literally just disgusting dude i ants are taking over our home and mine too they are so smart i was just talking to michella about how i wanted to research how ants communicate because yesterday morning I ate it. There were no ants inside. I ate an apple. I laid it down. I I like stamped a couple of tea bags. Um, I have a very weird um art project going on right now, <laughs> where um <laughs> using stamps and making my own little like tea bags for all this um all these violets I've dried out from the yard, and I'm put in their titty boob stamps. So it's titty. God damn it. Uh, that's where I'm at. <laughs> anyway, literally seven minutes. It took seven minutes for hundreds of ants to be on that apple core. Seven minutes. Now, where did they come from? How did they communicate that quickly? Did they all just smell it from across the room? Uh, well, they're just, they, uh, they are just, an, I mean, I literally just had this conversation yesterday with Michella about how smart and collaborative and like how organized ants are. How impressive it is. So some, you know, bees are able to communicate mm -hmm. with dances. You know, they have like these little dances that they do oh, where yeah. they fly in certain. And so I, I wonder if ants, ants may either do the same thing or they might have some sort of chemical that they use to communicate to each other with. Mm -hmm. There are, um, there are some ant species in Arizona that, have enslaved certain species of mites. So going back to the emergent strategies thing earlier, like some species do cooperate. Some species do enslave other species in some sort of maybe parasitical relationship or just straight up coercive relationship. <laughs> um, nature's it's so diverse and, and full of so many different <coughs> fascinating things that it's hard to draw conclusions i think um but they're they are very smart you're right so maybe aliens looking at us would think that we are smart in the sense that we developed an atom bomb but dumb in the sense that we used it on each other <laughs> <laughs> i mean so it seems to me we work less collaboratively collaboratively than ants we're less strategic than ants, it seems to me at this point. But I don't oh, know. absolutely! I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how aliens are looking at the species around. But do you think though that, like, I mean, those videos have been out for a long time, and the Pentagon had no real reason. Like, what reason did they have to even acknowledge them at this point? Was um, it a head fake, Terrence? Level with me. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta take off <laughs> We'll see you later Tommy 
Good luck, Good Tom. Luck. I think that it was, um, <laughs> it could have been a head fake. Like, <laughs> I, I think that the Pentagon's probably like, because they, they research this stuff. Like, there's certain branches within the Pentagon that do research unidentified flying objects. Well, I should fucking hope so. And so it does make you question, like, is that in itself like a PSYOP? Or are they really investigating truly unknown phenomena? Um, I guess I tend to... Just because it's like so hard for me to believe that in all the times we would conceivably have been visited by aliens, there's not been one instance of like human to alien contact now so i guess you could say well there's plenty of people who claim to have been abducted by aliens oh yeah plenty and maybe maybe they're right maybe they're right i mean and maybe the fact that they don't get a fair hearing or anything makes it difficult for us to establish scientifically that they have been examined or probed or whatever <laughs> um I guess it really does come back to, like, I want to believe. Uh, but the thing is, is the existence of aliens wouldn't really change. No. W would it change anything? I mean... Uh, well, it depends on what we know about them and... I don't know. Because, well, I guess you could try to play it out. Like, you would think... If you would have asked me... A year ago, if does would you think the existence of a worldwide pandemic would change humanity and all of its social relations and its mode of economic production and everything? And I would have said, yeah, absolutely. But now I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, it doesn't really seem like a lot is changing. It looks like things are maybe changing for the worse. <laughs> um, so maybe if you extrapolate that to aliens and say... Did the existence of aliens mean that humans could cooperate better and maybe that we would learn some insights about our universe and it would help us sort of further the human species? Um, it, it all depends on politics, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, what do, you, what do you think? Do you think aliens exist? Do you think that those were for real? Terrence, I don't think anymore i gave i gave up on it i'm over it beyond beyond all i do is watch drag shows and stamp tea bags and make make moon water snakeles i am i am trying to be that scary old witch on the hill yeah, I'm just nestling into it here at a at a prime 33 years old. <laughs> you are a scary young witch on a mountain. So yeah, all I need is more wrinkles, and they're coming by the hour. So I'm yeah, fast tracking. Yeah. I think you're on a good course. I think you've got it partially figured Me out. Me too. I mean, like I told you, my mom's quick to be like, bitch, you work from home. You're doing better than any of us. <laughs> <laughs> You're the family ATM. 
uh, relax. How about that? <laughs> she has a point. You are the family, yeah. uh, the family banker, the family, um, yeah, the family ATM. Yeah. I mean, pr- I guess probably not if we keep more, more episodes like this, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, Terrence, this is a free episode. If I had my way, we would only do paid content at this point at the end of history. And you all are starting to put out more free content. I I I, I am aware and of I, your stance. <laughs> so just so we're clear. <laughs> I am aware of your stance. Um but that that this is the thing. Like the the people, the these streets need this content, Tanya. The the free supplements the paid content. It's a dialectic, as Tom was saying. Well, I'm gonna calculate all the time I spend prepping doing and worrying about our free episodes and i'm submitting all that as donations (laughs) whenever i do file my taxes do you do any prepping for (laughs) any episodes (laughs) really what do you do well for one I'm, i'm not i'm not saying that i'm not i'm really not casting aspersions i'm well, um, I have to tell me your your routine. I want to know your what your routine's like. Well, I wouldn't call it a routine, but occasionally <laughs> I have to read something. I also <laughs> glance at headlines. <laughs> I also have to mentally prepare not to be either as depressed as I actually am, or uh, like I have to get on some type of neutral ground so that I can. <laughs> mentally so that i can web into whatever flow we fall into i see i, I do what you're saying so i can be it, it is preparation yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> you're right people don't people really do so on one hand people are correct when they say podcasting is not a real job but on the other hand it does take a degree of sort of mental and emotional labor or preparation or call it whatever you want to make it actually palatable this has been hard As- this podcast is harder work than any boss i've ever had's ever done <laughs> is it really uh, yeah <laughs> well i didn't really prepare so obviously i didn't prepare at all for this episode i mean that's not true i had a lot of things prepared for this episode but at the last minute things kind of went off the rails but regardless this is what an episode sounds like when you're just not really prepared. <laughs> like all of us. I'm not talking about you. Yeah. I'm talking about like as a collective. I'm not prepared for anything. Not a podcast. Not my other paid work. Well, no one has. That's what I'm saying. The, the, I'm not mentally. The I'm nation's not, not. No. The nation wasn't prepared for a fucking pandemic. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And all I keep, all I cannot stop thinking about how, well, one, y'all know I've been on a spiral about infrastructure crumbling under the climate. <clears throat> but my other spiral is that it's me trying to level with the fact that we're not going to get universal health care, even amidst a pandemic, which means we're probably never going to get it. No. And that's been a lot I, for I, me to handle. I've been trying to figure that out too. A lot to process. Um, well, yeah, you read these things, these op-eds and analyses and stuff, and they're like, they're like, um, 
is this going to be the thing that pushes America towards universal health care? Um, and again, it's a fool's game trying to predict anything right now. Um, but it's, it does very much feel like we're living in a moment of reaction in the sense that, um, you know, like we, we did for a brief moment have a sort of like revolutionary mentality. There was this sense that pervaded a lot of society that things might change radically for the first time in a long time. I'm talking about Bernie. Um, and that like we could actually do this thing. And so then those were dashed upon the rocks, which happens in history. Uh, you know, water under the bridge at this point. I mean, it's really not. I do agonize about it daily. <laughs> but regardless, that happens. But usually when that happens, and this has happened, you know, it happened after the French Revolution. It happened after the 1848 revolutions, both of which were defeated. There's a, there's a period of reaction where, like, it seems like everything starts moving towards the right. And it kind of feels like we're living in that. And it, my best... Except we didn't get a revolution. Yeah, because we didn't get one. It was forestalled or or whatever, you know? And and so my best evidence of that is this Tara Reid stuff. And the fact that all the same people who a year and a half ago were so vocal and, um, you know, riled up or whatever about Kavanaugh have now gone completely the opposite direction and have I mean you know you had that video did you watch that video of Stacey Abrams like basically making a fucking fool of herself on TV for for Joe Biden it was fucking shameful yeah I saw it on Maine's morning news this morning it was brutal it was yeah I was pretty shocked especially because there's all this Um, and I guess maybe they interviewed her before all this new evidence but I doubt it and it's just like, why do we need it's, it's, th- this woman could produce fucking video footage of this happening and it wouldn't make a goddamn hill of beans difference. Yeah. <laughs> just it's just like any <clears throat> any survivor of any abuse and especially rape or sexual assault like will just come, will be under attack. If they right. bring, uh, over anything, it's just like they're just their entire character, <laughs> everything they ever done will be drug out to make them seem like a maniac and unworthy of justice. Oh, and yeah. certainly people... against Biden. Oh yeah, I I mean it's it's really you know it's really fascinating when you consider that. Um, you know, say whatever about Elizabeth Warren and Bernie or whatever. Uh, four months ago, you had two major presidential, or Bernie was major, Warren was kind of a an anomaly. I don't even, that's weird in and of itself. But you had two presidential candidates saying that once they were elected, shell production would essentially go extinct. Like, talking, you know, talking about a Green New Deal, universal health care and all this. It is a really weird whiplash effect to go from that straight to this new thing where in the midst of a pandemic, Biden refuses to embrace Medicare for all. Cuomo 
basically got basically got the primary. Bernie kicked off the ballot in New York. Uh, th- then got, they cancel. That's how, yeah, oh yeah, they just yeah they just canceled it all together, didn't they? Yeah, I think he couldn't get him kicked off the ballot, and it's probably so one of the reasons it. he just canceled the whole fucking thing. Incredible. Which and so so is it just does that mean it's just all mail in ballots? Or are they allowing anyone, everyone to do mail-in? I don't know what that means. Because um, in Kentucky, they, they are, we are still having in-person ele- elections. They pushed them all the way back to the end of June. And we're still having in-person elections, but they're allowing anybody for any reason to do mail-in. Encouraging everyone, just mail in your ballot. And of course, and speak your piece. <laughs> the grand speak your piece minds say it's so... Uh, uh, the governor can personally count them all himself <laughs> and decide what the results are. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't even know how he has the power to cancel a whole primary. I think it is still mail-in. I think I remember reading that somewhere, but still, it is completely shameful. Um, but it's because they have united in common cause against any kind of progressive change. And this is the thing... I mean, fuck it. Uh, We might as well just get into it. Like, this is the thing that, to me, like, was the common connection between everything that's been going on in that NPR story. Because that the follow-up, not the original, but the follow-up. Because the follow-up essentially said, we hear you. And we get it. Ex- it's just like so patronizing. We, totally. And that but that's exactly what they're saying yeah. about Tara Reed. Yeah, that's not That's exactly what they're yeah, pa- they're saying we hear you. But that they don't give a fuck. Well, what they're saying no, they're not even saying we hear you. They're saying the New York Times investigated, which one, since when does the New York Times uh, since when are they a part of a justice system? Since when does the New York <laughs> the Times get to right. get to decide who's innocent and guilty in this fucking country it's just the the point that that's insane enough but that's even what stacy abrams said like and i mean and we point to her you know i think people will say like oh we, we expect too much out of black women or whatever it's just like we point to her because we rallied for her ass in georgia it's like we we actually threw weight behind her and I don't think it's too much to expect her to at least acknowledge a fucking uh, fucking rape allegation, sexual assault allegations. And she literally said, oh, the New York Times uh, investigated that and just, you know, said it was, I forget the word she used. Right. Well, and it's, you know, this it, thing is it's not just her. It's like, you know, it's Pelosi. It's yeah, but I don't expect anything every- out of Nancy Pelosi. You know, I'm, I'm just, right. I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. I'm not as, you know, I'm not, I'm not upset. I'm not as emotional about a response from Nancy Pelosi because she's a fucking ghoul. She's a goddamn maniac. She's a fucking, a part of a death. She's the head of the death cult. Who fucking cares? You know what I mean? It's like, of course they have a lot of power and it's very upsetting, but I've already gave up on those fucking people being tied to any, uh, any sliver of human decency or, or humanity. These are total ghouls, but I expect more from Stacey Abrams. Well, I, I think that her trajectory, I don't really know much about her. Um, <laughs> I do know that she's like taking, she's taking that cat money now. The 
Center for American Progress. And Bloomberg. I believe she's also taking Bloomberg money. Oh, yeah, I heard she um, went to a Bloomberg fundraiser. I mean, the thing is, is that all these, a lot of these, Stacey Abrams is just another iteration of the same type of politician. It's the same, she's, she's, she's like Beto, you know, like, you know, in the sense that like, I'm trying to think of other examples. Um, there's like Beto, Elizabeth Warren kind of, um, there's the guy who ran for governor in Florida. I mean, like, I'm just saying, like, these youngish... Elizabeth Warren is obviously not this person, but these kind of, like, youngish rising stars... Obama was one at one point. These youngest, youngish rising stars in the Democratic Party, Julian Castro, like, people who don't really have any real core philosophical beliefs or, like, ideology, like, other than just vague progressive values. Um... But you see, you get to see how easily like that can just get sort of eaten away um, as soon as they get involved in the sort of Democratic Party political machine. And um, yeah, I just wonder like what reason she has to make it like to put herself in that right. position. As I understand it, she wants to be VP. I mean, she has said, like, I would be VP for anybody or whatever. Like, I'm ready to be VP. So, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess that's true. But, I mean, you, you think he hasn't decided and already told someone who's going to be his VP yet? You know what I mean? Do you think he is? Yeah, he, prob- he probably has. Surely I mean, they already know that. I think it's going to be Obama uh, or Michelle. It's going to be Michelle Obama. That would be so funny. <laughs> Obama. Vice President, I mean, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah well um it it just goes to show you that i mean to me it's just fascinating american politics is fascinating to me because you have to lose you have to take the l but you didn't really lose like the thing is is that all of the policies that bernie supports are overwhelmingly popular and especially in a state like New York with where Cuomo's governor the you know he 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 squashed Medicaid expansion um and all these other things like you you've got all these things that are overwhelmingly popular but you've got this situation now where like that popular um support for these things can no longer be leveraged or 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 deployed against these people because they don't care anymore. It's I guess they've got enough of a base. They've tailored their base sort of strictly enough and, um, you know, observantly enough or something to be able to be rest assured that they will at least have enough support to stay relevant. Right. I guess. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like we live. We don't really live in a system anymore where, like, and this is why this is why I'm kind of uh, pessimistic about Medicare for all because it doesn't really feel like we have, live in a system anymore where popular pressure re- results in change anymore. I mean, it feels like some massive structural changes would have to occur for that to even be an option anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um... You know, somebody, I don't know if it's the DMs, but someone is doing a good job of um, convincing people in this moment that all of their problems are because of Trump, <laughs> convincing, like, people on the left um, 
or just liberals that Trump is at the root of all their problems <clears throat> and they think that that is going to be able to get the get anyone voted like anyone right. anyone in and so they literally don't have to abide by any moral codes and have zero values right right well it's very it's very um depressing uh, and to me it what's honestly more depressing about it is that like we were saying there is mass support for universal health care um you know expanding the welfare system uh you know there's universal health there's a green new deal like there's there's a lot of majority support for a lot of these things. Well, there has and, to be in a system with this much inequality. You know what I mean? Like, right, like there's right. no way for this many people to be living in poverty and not recognize the need. They just don't have the means to make it happen. Like, they don't see a path for themselves. And they certainly don't see themselves reflected in any kind of electoral strategy or reality. It's just totally, totally removed. Right, totally. Well, and, and what makes it so bizarre, though, is that, again, the weird thing about politics is that, like, when you lose, it's not like that just goes away. It's just, it's forced into this sort of, like, state of hibernation or, or stasis or something. So, like, I, I don't know. It's really bizarre. It's It's... I mean, you're basically told that you lost and, like, your p ideas aren't popular, but, like, we did lose technically, but the ideas are still very popular. I just don't know how you channel them at this point. I don't either because, I mean, hell, we've, <laughs> we've been... Like, think about how many actions have taken place. From the Sunshine Movement to Black Lives Matter, even in the last year, two years, let's say, to all the climate networks for a Green New Deal, a survivable future, a universal health care, across the board, black, blo black box to fucking banner drops across the board. Yeah. And it's like, and it feels like to no avail. And then you have conservative white maniac looking nail salon owners or I don't know fucking uh, barbershop ghouls showing up at the at the Kentucky state capitol and the next day the governor announces uh, even though we have our peak number today like we've got oh a hundred more cases than we did yesterday we're gonna start making plans to open the fucking businesses back up right it's just like <laughs> The way that the the way that Democrats and liberals bend to the right is is it could just it's like in no way comparable ever to any like the right never bends. <laughs> There's like no, no bending in our direction. Well, I mean, to me, that just hints at the fact that America's institutions have been drifting to the right. This is what I get. I get really confused when people say that like Bernie and Warren moved the Overton window to the left because I've not really seen any evidence that like the ideas that they proposed have persisted in the sort of discourse in the way that they're saying. Well, I mean, they're I there. felt like that in the fall because I was, oh, seeing, I, I was seeing conversation, you know, you know I mean? I understand. That's how I was feeling. 
Hell, I said it on CNN, for God's sakes. <laughs> um, but then it's like, where's the proof in the pudding of actual policies? Yeah. I, that, that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing that I guess is tricky about the trying to move media discourse. It's that like you're trying to move discourse within a corporate media framework. And, you know, we know that they're always going to win that. And so I I don't know. It seems to me that a lot of these sort of electoral strategies do sort of amount to that. They're kind of like well, we can move the discourse at least. We may not win, but we can at least inject these ideas into the mainstream discourse. And they're not talking about like kitchen tables, even though that might be a result. They're talking about like what Don Lemon and people talk about like on CNN. And so, I mean, again, those things can exist and Don Lemon and et cetera can say, well, our, our healthcare system is breaking apart in this moment of crisis do we need universal health care but like we've seen the obviously the republicans aren't going to do it but to me the big lesson from 2020 is that the democrats finally just confirmed that they are a right-wing party <laughs> like that's just you know th that's just what they're identifying as now like this is just who we are <laughs> yeah I don't know. I mean, you want to know something really dark that I was thinking about? Um, Do I really have a <laughs> have an option, really? <laughs> Check this out. So, I can imagine a scenario in which if Biden wins in November, imagine, okay, so imagine this, again, here's another fun little thought experiment. Imagine this thing comes back with a vengeance in the fall, but we still have an election and Biden manages to pull it off. Somehow, he manages to pull it off. Well, even if this thing doesn't come back in the fall. You know what's going to happen? We're Biden's going to win. It's just going to be another Hillary. Biden is going to win the popular vote and lose the electoral <laughs> college. That's exactly what will happen. Exactly, You're absolutely right. But let's say that he does win. Well, People still need these unemployment benefits and, um, you know, these these sort of like Main Street bailouts that tr that Trump and the Republicans have been pushing. The only like if Obama had tried to do this, Mitch McConnell and all the Republicans would say, nope, not happening. We are opposing anything you're doing by any means necessary. Doesn't matter. But they can't do that with Trump, so they've gone along with it. And that's why you've got this situation where dumbass small business owners are saying, you can make more in unemployment now than in employment. But if Biden was president, those congressional Republicans would just revert to the exact same sort of obstructionist posture they took with Obama. And so then we would have a situation where under Trump, at least we got money in the bank. At least we got our Trump bucks. But with Biden, they'll just stop that from happening. We won't get any bucks. <laughs> so you're that saying, is a real possibility. You're saying we have more leverage under Trump than Biden? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that that's a good thing. I'm saying that... I, I am saying, yes, factually that is true. Because as long as the Republicans hold the Senate, 
It, now, if if Biden won the White House and and Democrats took the Senate and the House, then we would be able to have leverage and we'd get those we'd get those Biden bucks. But if but if Biden just wins the White House, but not the Senate, even if they hold the House, no, Mitch McConnell will obstruct all the fucking way. Will not get our bucks. And, and American history will have brought us to this very, very bizarre conjuncture where under a Democratic administration, we don't get bailed out. But under Trump, we did. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's just pitiful, the, the calculating they get to do with people's lives. It's just so fucking... I mean, I forget whose theory this was, but weren't we? We were surmising at one point that uh, Trump was going to legalize marijuana. That was like the way he was going to beat whoever, right? Because that was like the one wedge issue he could probably convince Republicans to get behind. Which what? Which issue was it? Legalizing marijuana. Oh yeah, <laughs> weed man, <laughs> and it'll make him just look even cooler. Because that's how he's desperate to be the cool guy anyway, you know. I mean, I could just imagine him releasing a campaign video of him smoking weed. <laughs> Can't you imagine it? Trump would melt down on weed. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, if they really wanted to inject some sort of stimulus into this economy, they should just turn the economy into a weed economy. Yeah. The United States has such premier conditions for growing weed and hemp. Yeah. Now, hemp has kind of been proven to be a fucking scam, but weed will never be a scam. <laughs> no, I just don't think we have the infrastructure to support hemp. There's only, like, one place, and I think it's in Canada. I don't even think there's any, any like, actual industrial hemp processing in the fucking U.S. We just don't have the infrastructure for it. Right, And right. it should be, I mean, I might be... I might be saying, I'm probably saying things that, I mean, I'm definitely talking about things I know nothing about as usual, but um, that's my understanding is that it like has to go to fucking Canada or something for even like processing. But I mean, he, right. hemp should be able to replace a ton of shit. Like, I mean, uh, literally like plastic and shit. You know what I mean? It should be this like incredible super plant, but we have no, we don't, we don't have the vision or infrastructure at this point to use it. <laughs> David. Which is true for just about yeah. every aspect of it. Yeah. No vision, no infrastructure, no give a fuck. We're just, you no. know, as long as as long as people are, as long as we have uh, a, a system of decision making that's based on how much money you have. I mean, it's just, it's not based. It's just. People are never going to be well under this system. Right. It's just not in the cards. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Like the way the media has talked about coronavirus, like we obviously only get America's interpretation of it, like American media's. Oh God! Yeah, but, it's insane. But, <laughs> but if you were go over, go ahead. Oh, no, that's, go ahead go ahead i was about to do what were you gonna, gonna say real i was just gonna <laughs> give an example of how bizarre our media is like just like the one time i've been out of the country just the media there was like a quote-unquote isis attack on a beach somewhere when i was in <laughs> when i was in uh 
but that was the u.s story and when i was in um i think i was in wales or somewhere at the time it was like just the it was the the coverage was the opposite <laughs> it was just like they don't even use the word isis you know it's just lone like, psychopath yeah it's just ridiculous right. anyway sorry well i mean we obviously because we only get that coverage like we're not really getting the sort of holistic picture of how the united states is dealing with coronavirus but just about by any metric and standard no matter how you spin it the united states response to it even though i think italy and spain have more deaths per capita um i think that's mostly because they have an overwhelmingly sort of geriatric population whereas America has the most deaths and the most cases mm-hmm. and is just experiencing mass dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And again, you don't really get that in any of the media coverage. I know. Of this. I, know. I mean, I, I, I said this to my mom because my mom was like, yeah, they're going to start because my mom lives in Tennessee and they're opening malls tomorrow on May Day. Oh, my God. God. Tennessee. My, I have a friend who works at the West Town Mall in Knoxville. She works at the fucking makeup counter. She does makeup. And tomorrow, she ha- she's at work today. They're prepping today. They all had to go back to work today. And tomorrow, the doors will open and she will have to put lipstick on old ladies' mouths tomorrow. Oh, my fucking God. That's where we're at. And so, my mom lives in Tennessee and I was talking to her about it and she was just like, yeah. And so, I tried to explain to her. I was like, Mom, like we've handled this worse than any than any other country. Like we're the only developed nation without universal health care. It's just like I say these things over and over, and my mom just zones me out, you know. But she was just like, <laughs> but at, at some point she was like, "How do you know that?" <laughs> and I was, it's so you're right. It comes back to like that, that's never going to be the framing. That they're never going to like we're never going to get actual. Even in college, it just this occurred to me that this Marxist professor that I had at EKU, I mean, he like wrote multiple books about Marx, six hundred page books, no one wants to read <laughs> um, about <laughs> political economy. Uh, maybe you want to read it, I don't know. By an EKU, <laughs> yeah, by I, an EKU like professor, you can look it up, Paul Pellucci. He used to say, he said the dangerous thing, and this was 10, 12 years ago, but it's even more true now. The dangerous thing about U.S. media is that there's this ruse that it's independent. And it, you know, the government doesn't run it. And in in most dictatorships or like most like authoritarian countries, like everyone knows not to listen to the fucking media because the government runs it. It's like everyone knows this is ridiculous. We know not to listen to this. But here, (laughs) that's not the case. And we just have this ruse that 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 even our local media has our best interest at heart. And it's just it's just a lot it's just overwhelming it's just like in this moment where like so many you know it, there were always lots of just like there there have always every day there are human lives in the balance of this of capitalism for sure uh-huh. but currently it's just so much heightened that that is just like so much more heightened and everyone is dealing with some level of fear of death at this point um yeah or fear of bear, having to like you know bury or no, even not be able to bury someone they love that it's just it's even hard my mom has always been one of those people who just like wants to believe that people that people have her best interest at heart especially like elected officials um and it's a very good instinct you know what i mean like it's like pure and good that she that she has people's best interest at heart and wants to believe that other people do but 
it's just like almost never do our leaders, people, even even locally, have our best interests at heart. They're just such. Our political system produces fucking maniacs, power hungry ghouls. Well, yeah, and, and and the thing is, is like it, it it's in a situation like this. I feel like I've been hyper attuned or um, sort of focused on trying to get a holistic picture of the U.S.'s response to it, not just in terms of like economics and politics, but also you know health, public health and everything else. And um, and it's really fascinating that like no one in the media class will point out to anybody that so this was a huge failure of the Trump administration obviously. The Chinese knew about this virus early on, tried to warn America and we just put our fucking fingers in our ears and said, "No, no, 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 no." You guys are lying. You're being yeah. using that as an as an excuse to be repressive, etc. Yeah. And what I love is that the Chinese discovered it. There's no proof that it started there. <laughs> There's exactly. literally no exactly. But it, thanks to thanks to the Chinese uh, healthcare system, we even know what we're dealing with at all. Right. I mean, we. I mean, we've even said this on an earlier episode that it, it's in all likelihood it started here. And, and we've been sending this out of the country since last well, fall. Yeah, there, I saw headlines yesterday um, that were talking about how people who had tested positive in America got theirs from Europe. There was no direct China to America uh, contamination. <laughs> that a lot of those cases early on were from Europe. Oh my god! Um, and um, this is like a whoever smelt it dealt it situation. <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> China right. smelled the fart and said, hey, hey, who stunk up the room here? And we've blamed it on them because we're all like, oh, God, was it us? <laughs> Did we let right, that fart right. slip out? <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's it's been a failure from the Trump administration, but this has been a massive failure of the CDC, who was this esteemed agency, you know, and... Yeah. Um, Obviously, it just goes to show, like, what happens when you hollow out all the functions of American Right, I was going to say, like, these, like, all of these agencies have, have just had their budgets gashed. All right, this money right. has been sent to a wall. What did we think was going to happen? We've, we've, exactly. we've taken, you know, <laughs> we've taken the already under-budgeted agency serving human life across this country and sent it to a steel bar <laughs> to exactly. building steel bars at our border oh you're right well and it's hard to kind of wrap your mind around the sort of catastrophic systemic failure that has been the american state's response to this and um and yeah i don't know maybe things maybe this antiviral that they've got really will work and maybe we can start like getting back to quote-unquote normal as we just target people with antivirals. Um, but I'm, I'm skeptical of that. Regardless, you know, it just, just needs to be stated for the record by somebody that America's response to this has been abysmal. 
I just don't know how that's not more clear and stated more right. rapid, like more succinctly in the media. How can they be missing? Like, how is it that we are interviewing bananas ass uh, Berea business owners <laughs> instead of government? You know what I mean? I'm just like, well, what is Yeah. No. Now it's kind of like all the sort of existing institutions and norms and et cetera were in the exact when we were caught with our pants down. More than that, I mean yeah. we were caught in the worst possible position at the worst possible moment. Yeah. And um which, right now or go ahead. I'll say which I did hear like month months ago, like maybe right at the beginning of March when all this was starting, I heard an interview on NPR on the radio. Um, cause I was driving and that's about the only thing I could get to come in. <laughs> um, an interview with a, I think he was actually a reporter that had covered a, a big simulation that another health agency had done. I don't think it was the CDC, but another health agency had done this big like simulation to estimate how a flu like pandemic, literally a flu like pandemic would impact <laughs> um, our like resources and maybe even our economy. And a draft yeah. was sent to the White House, to the Trump administration, and they stopped it and said not to finish it based on the draft because <laughs> it was so bad. Yeah. It was so bad. It was just like it, we our entire everything will crumble under this. <laughs> and it was based on even like more conservative uh, uh, death rate numbers based cl- more closely on flu, on the flu rates. Right. So they've known, like they, yeah, not only did they know like in January about this specific situation, they knew last year about how little prepared they were to handle anything of like, like this. <laughs> no, it's, it's really, it really is wrong time, wrong place. Just the worst fucking contingencies and, and forces colliding at one moment to create just a mess but it's crazy to think that if this had happened during in the obama years how like obama would have never recovered from this like in the media they would have blamed him for every single inch of this do you know what i mean like he got i mean thanks obama was like the uh, the headline of his presidency <laughs> well but this is the fascinating thing about liberals is that they all they kind of go along with that like nothing again obama had every mandate every available option to him to do whatever he needed to do in 2008 through 2010 and neglected to do it and um and that's what happens like with these liberals they get in office and again they would say the same thing about Biden. If he won, they'd say, thanks, Biden. Like, this is all your fault. Meanwhile, they're stopping him at every moment to pass any kind of uh, bailout reform or whatever. Um, and the liberals go along with it because they are completely, uh, I don't know what the word would be, but they need the Republican, they need the conservatives to rein them in. Um because they want to be because I guess ultimately they're conservatives at heart. I don't fucking know. I guess they don't just they just don't believe in anything. That's really the more um expedient sort of explanation is that and it's this Tara Reid stuff is showing it too. It's just like these people can really literally switch a, f- 
a flip a switch in their brain that goes from believe survivors me too um is a is a great force for good etc cetera, etc cetera, and then flip a switch in their brain and go from that to this person is lying they've already had their uh you know hearing in front of the public from the new york times and etc and and not skip a beat you know yeah it's it's really phenomenal to watch um and i and and i really do think that like people aren't stupid like i think that people will see that and um or at least the people who um who don't really engage in democratic party politics that faithfully or loyally um, we'll see that and really see it for how cynical it is. But maybe maybe that's me looking at it glass half full, and uh, who knows? <laughs> but it's really phenomenal to witness. I would. I don't think I would uh, accuse you of looking at anything glass half full. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying this new thing. I'm trying. Tom says he's trying a new thing. I'm trying to. I'm Third trying eye. to. Yeah, I'm trying to train my third eye. Yeah, I guess technically I'm trying a new thing, too. It's called despair. (laughs) (laughs) Trying that on for size. It's not not too new for you. It's like despair 2.0. It's like a new kind of despair. I felt like I was a pretty optimistic bitch until the last month, honestly. (laughs) You don't think I was... I I, I erred on the side of optimism? (laughs) I mean, who knows? The thing is, is that, like... Like every other human, we have days where we despair and we have days where we genuinely feel hopeful. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not used to this level of roller coaster ride. The up and down is what's so hard. It's like, I mean, right. just when I get used to feeling down, I'm up again. I have like a good day. And uh-huh. then the day, and then it's like I have to get used to feeling like shit all over again. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, just let me forget what good feels like already and give me a fucking break, okay? Oh, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> just for let sure. me just let me just live in this, okay? I know what you mean. Well, that's probably a pretty good note to uh to finish it out on. Yeah, Look at this. What? We fucking I, salvaged an, a whole ass episode. We out damn of sure did. <laughs> if there if there's any lesson to be taken away from this episode, it's that if we could save this pile of trash, <laughs> maybe there is hope. <laughs> Fuck. Maybe there is. I'll be damned. I'll be damned. Um, <laughs> well, look, you know, even Michael Jordan had a few bad games. Even Michael Jordan even tried Mi- to play baseball. Even Michael Jordan tried to play baseball. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, maybe you can cut some but, of that trash out of the front part since we've got a little extra buffer on here. Yeah, yeah. Don't um, cut out Tom yelling, hello? <laughs> that's the best part (laughs) yeah that's staying in Um, if you'd like to support us over at the Patreon where you can find actually good content and episodes soon to be the only place I appear soon to be the only place Tanya appears Um, that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trillbilly workers party five dollars a month will get you um, an episode every single Sunday, and enough and, back uh, episodes to get you through quarantine, and enough back episodes to get you through. That is exactly right. So, um, like almost a hundred. So please go. Right? 
Oh yeah, we are nearing almost a hundred premium episodes. I think we're on like ninety nine or what? something. What? Okay, we need to plan. Maybe I can plan us a one hundredth birthday party. Um, but technically, some of those early Patreons I did not count as episodes. Um. Mm. Some of them were just like literally 20 minutes of me and Tom doing like Alex Jones voice. <laughs> and um, before we do what Patreon was, <laughs> <laughs> swap there is the swap shop episode of Patreon, which is yeah, it's like 20 minutes. So, Lord, I'm um, all righty, well, go check that out. Uh, you won't, you won't be disappointed, or you might be. Um, but regardless. Go support us. And, it's um, risk free. You can always just cancel it if you don't interest. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty low risk. It's true. Pretty low risk. Um. So we'll see you over there at the Patreon, and we encourage you to uh, go with God or whoever your deity is. Deities are. There might be more than deities, one. Deities. Am I right? Or deities, if you're <laughs> uh, horny like Tanya. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining. Bye-bye. Yeehaw.